Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were true crime, history, and the paranormal me. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And firstly, thank you so much to all our loyal listeners for all the DMs and messages and emails I got while we were MIA asking when we would be back. It's been a crazy last several months. Every time I would start to get ready to record again, something huge would happen and postpone it again. But we are back now. We will have episodes all the way through November and then take a minute off for December for Christmas, then be back in the new year with more haunting history and our new podcast, Last Known Location. Haunting history is going back to what it was intended to be, stories from the past that still haunt us today, and hopefully finding connections to paranormal, because like we say, who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Last Known Location will be where all of our true crime, cold case, and missing persons will be. So stay with us on all of our social media outlets for news and information about that release date. We'll be moving all of our true crime cases over to that podcast, We'll be doing more with Orange County Sheriff Bob Taft. We will have some things coming up with other law enforcement agencies. But back to haunting history. Today, our episode combines crime, history, and haunting, kind of where I want to live 365. Once named the bloodiest 47 acres in America by Time Magazine because of the incredibly high number of serious assaults on the grounds, the Missouri State Penitentiary opened in 1836 and ran continuously until 2004. That's 168 years of housing America's worst inmates. The riot in 1954 took the lives of four inmates, one severely beaten for being a snitch. So severely he was unrecognizable and is believed to be one of the spirits unresting at the Missouri pen. Once home to prisoners such as Katie O'Hare, who had been convicted of espionage for socialist speech, to Martin Luther King's assassin, James Earl Ray. The prison became known for its most famous riot and their most infamous prisoners. The prison, built mainly by prisoners, was designed for 2,000 inmates, but ultimately held more than twice that amount through the years. With 15-foot limestone walls, the maximum security prison housed the worst of the worst. Known for its horrible conditions and rampant violence, Missouri State Penitentiary is a paranormal investigator's dream from residual hauntings to full-body communicating apparitions. The 47 acres is still housing the worst of the worst, only now bars and chains don't bind them. Today we're talking to Di, paranormal host and tour guide. Take a listen. Um, so this week we are talking to Di with Missouri State Penitentiary. Di, how long have you been a tour guide at the penitentiary? This is my eighth year. What made you start doing that? Like, what made you get involved? Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I had personal history, I guess, with the penitentiary, not in a bad way. Um, One of my brothers-in-law was a guard there. And I remember they had like a dinner for staff and something, and we went along. And I've just been fascinated with the place ever since. That was like when I was maybe six years old. And then uh, I saw the first shadow person ever in my life in my 
family home when I was about five. And so I've always been kind of interested in the paranormal and really got into it probably the early 70s. So you said your brother-in-law was a guard at the penitentiary? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did he have ghost stories of what happened there? They never talked about ghost stories. They talked really? about life stories, yes. So like the different inmates that were there. Right, yeah. The Time magazine calls it the 40, bloodiest 47 acres Correct. in America. Mm -hmm. And um, they always reference the riot. But the riot itself, there were four deaths associated with the actual riot? Correct. So why was it, so clearly that's not why they call it the bloodiest 47 acres. No. Um, why? I'm sure it was because um, during the 19 teens, 20s, 30s, in through there, we had over 5,000 inmates inside that penitentiary. That that's, was made only for about that's two all, Yeah, it's, that's almost like three times what should have been in there. So, you know, you pack and stack a whole bunch of convicted criminals, a lot of them for, you know, crimes against other people, and that's just going to continue. Do you have a theory on whether the majority of the experiences there, are they, like, imprints, or are they actual intelligent hauntings? Oh, golly, I would say it's a mix. I would say it's probably... Maybe about half and half, because a lot of ours are, are the intelligent kind. We have full-on conversations with them with the ghost box apps or whatever, and, you know, light this up and asking questions and things like that. But then, then too, I'm sure I know there's some that's residual, because you just see them and for a flash, and then they're gone and they don't interact. Like an imprint on history, like it's right, right, playing itself over. Now, who do you think, as far as the intelligent hauntings, who do you think they are? Oh, I would say we might have a couple of old guards there. I'm not real sure, but inmates. I would say some of them are ones that feel like they will never be forgiven. We've gleaned that through some of our conversations with them. Some of them, that was the best home they ever had. I know really? Sonny. Yes, Sonny Liston, uh, you might recognize that name. He was housed in uh, Housing Unit 4, which is our oldest building still remaining. It was built in 1868, but Sonny's cell was in there. And he learned how to box at Missouri State Penitentiary. And then, of course, he went on after he left the penitentiary. He continued his boxing um, training and went on to defeat Floyd Patterson to become the world heavyweight champion. And then he held the title until he was defeated by Cassius Clay, who, of course, changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Yeah, but I'm a Sonny, boxing fan. If you look at Sonny's biography in his past oh my heavens that poor man there ended up being like 20 some children in his family because it was like a mixed family 
And I think his parents even forgot they had him, but he would like pick up pecans on the side of the road, do anything he could to make a little bit of money. Well, with his size and everything, he got into robbery. But he he would hear inmates complaining about, you know, this or that at the penitentiary, and he'd get after him. He'd say, you have no idea. You have a bed to sleep in. You have clothes on your back. You have a roof over your head. You've got a job. You've got meals. You have absolutely nothing to complain about. Do you so, you think he's one of the people that, that haunts the prison? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. There. I mean, I would think that he would go someplace else. I'm yeah. a huge, I'm a huge heavyweight boxing fan, and I've done a ton of research on um, boxers throughout, like beginning of time and right. through the 1970s. So, Sonny Lister is one of um, the most famous boxers. He ended oh, yeah. up winning, I think, the heavyweight championship. I think yeah. it was in 1965 or something. And he, his life was literally geared to go nowhere until he got to the prison and, and ended up learning how to box and getting oh, out and getting yeah. support and stuff. But he wasn't, so he didn't hate it there, but a lot of people, there were how many, do you even know how many escape attempts there were? I have a copy of a page from a, a report from the Department of Corrections to the governor's office, and it was in 1936. So that would have been 100 years of operation. At that time, cumulative, um, that first hundred years, there had been just over 1,500 deaths, for whatever reason, inside the walls, and just over 1,300 escapes. We were a sieve, yes. Well, back in the early days, they ran under what they called a lease system, and then they would also do, like, work crews. Where they well, leave when they the first prison. started taking work crews out, they, you know, somebody come up and say, I need help building this, whatever, in Kansas City. Come, can I get a dozen guys? And they'd go pick up a dozen inmates and take them up there and work them and then go to bring them back. And some of them had just walked off and there was no penalty. And they're like, well, we need to rethink this. <laughs> right. So, but you think, okay, so the most infamous, I don't know, uh, prisoners that were there, the two, there are 19 executions, correct? Is that the no, there were 40 executions. Oh, was 39, that 39, right. 39 by lethal gas and, oh, one, gas by and lethal one by lethal injection. Okay. And I was reading, well, first of all, there's a really cool website that has a list of all the inmates that were ever at the prison. And then you can click on a name and it goes in and tells you what they were in prison for, how long they stayed. It's fascinating. I literally, I, that's why I didn't finish writing last night because mm-hmm. I went down a rabbit hole and started reading everything I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started picking out certain people. The, the most famous in, in, in Missouri State Penitentiary has been on almost every paranormal show I think there is. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that there was a Ghost Searchers. I know there was a Ghost Adventures. I know Destination Fear. Destination Fear. Those, they're crazy. They like to spend the night by themselves in mm. a portion. Yeah, no, I no. But everyone always, always talks about Bonnie Hetty and Carl Hall, mm-hmm. and two that kidnapped the little boy. Right. And why have you had any experiences where you think it could be Bonnie Hetty or Carl Hall? Not Carl, but Bonnie. Yeah. And what she, um, she shows up down at the gas chamber once in a while. 
and she and I have a mutual disrespect, I think. But it's really my encounters with her have been <laughs> rather interesting and colorful. But well, tell me, you know. tell me about him. Well, I had a guy, a private group one time that was like five people, and three guys and two women, and. We went down to the gas chamber, and two of the guys, there are two chairs in our gas chamber. And two of the guys sat down, one in each chair, and they were doing the Estes method. Had on their blindfolds and their noise-canceling headphones, and both of them listening to separate spirit boxes. And the guy, I know which chair Bonnie was in and which chair Carl was in. And the guy that was sitting in Carl's chair just kept kind of making these faces, and then he finally said, well, this is me. He said, I'm not getting any words whatsoever, he said, but I'm just getting these big waves of emotion. And the guy that was sitting in Bonnie's chair said, I just keep hearing this maniacal female laughter. And oh. I'm thinking, oh, you heifer, you know? Yeah. You're, you've got a hand in murdering this six-year-old boy, and you're going to sit there and laugh, but whatever. And I had told them a story on the way down the hill, and I'll try to nutshell it as best I can. But basically, after they murdered this little boy, they took his body back to Bonnie's house in St. Joseph, Missouri, and they buried him in a flower bed. And they went and bought chrysanthemums to plant over the top of him because they got bushy. And they thought that would help cover this up. They didn't get near that far. But anyway, they had bought these chrysanthemums. Well, for their funerals, the story goes that at each one of their funerals showed up this huge arrangement of chrysanthemums with no name on it. Oh, wow. So I would say that probably came from somebody that knew that little boy's family or maybe that little boy's family. Right. So, but I had told them this story on the way down the hill. So this guy that's sitting in Bonnie's chair, he's, you know, getting the female laughter. And then he said a couple of words, I can't even remember what now, that were pertinent to her. And I was getting, you know, kind of interested. And then he said flowers. And I couldn't help it. I just said, oh, you bitch. Oh, my God. And his face turned towards me. He couldn't see me, but his face turned exactly towards me. And he goes, I know you. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was kind of cool. <laughs> I'm just so curious. I'm always so curious all the time that, I mean, if there's a heaven and hell, Bonnie and Carl went to hell but why would they choose to like their spirits to be in a place where they died like and and I've always been so curious why did they get to be with each other when they died like why was there any consideration given to them whatsoever well, after what they did I would say it's probably just because we had the two chairs in the gas chamber and could do them both at the same time because it's you know rather a process to kill someone by lethal gas so that that would have been a long drawn out thing and they were kind of worried about you know unrest at the prison when this was going on and 
So it was just convenient for the person. Yeah, I think so. I not, think so. not a consideration to them. No. Mm -mm. The only consideration they got is that they got to be the only people that were executed down there fully clothed. Because everybody. Oh, what, that, that, what do you mean by that? Everybody that died previous to them by lethal gas uh, was wearing just skivvies, underwear like swimming trunks or something like that. No, not a lot of clothes to. I would think it would probably be uh, trapping gas is what they were worried about, why they would have them, you know, with just minimal clothing on. And then they would wear a mask or a hood. Well, Bonnie and Carl both had on uh, blindfolds, I believe, but they allowed them to be fully clothed because they were talking about it ahead of time when they were making the plans and they thought about putting her in a bathing suit and somebody just thought that was horrific back in 1953 to think of that. So I think she had on like a skirt and a blouse and he had on trousers and a shirt. And oh, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't even mm -hmm. think about that is that it's a gas chamber. And mm -hmm. so it was basically because they didn't want to put a woman in there. She was the only woman executed there. Correct. Right. Mm hmm. Um, they didn't want to put a woman in a bathing suit. And right. I wasn't thinking about them being blindfolded or like a hood over them. I never really thought about that. Like you don't really see like how many of us really know what an execution looks like. And yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really know the reasoning behind that, but. But you think that she, at least she's there, that she's the one that you communicate with. Yeah. And whether she's there all the time or not, who knows? You know, it could just be she just kind of floats around and comes down there when people are calling out to her to speak to her or whatever. You know, who knows what they do? They're not and, answering a whole lot of our questions. So, <laughs> right. And then the other, um, I I missed the name of the person. The the during the riot, um, a bunch of prisoners went in and and brutally murdered someone they they thought was a snitch. Walter Lee Donnell, yes. Walter. Now, uh -huh. a lot of people reference him and say that he's still in the penitentiary. I I think so. I think um, he he's kind of quiet, but sometimes we can get, uh, you know, some responses. And then also there's a, in his cell, there's still a string hanging down from the overhead light. Uh string to turn it off and on and sometimes that thing will do be like a pendulum and start swinging oh, really? yeah for no reason right yeah there's no way we're getting down there so who do you who else do you think comes there who else do you oh think now specifically there? by name i couldn't i couldn't say um i think i know there are some female spirits there up in the old uh Female section, housing unit one. Um, I know there are some females in there because sometimes uh, when people are investigating, they just seem to respond better to female investigator energies rather than they do male. And then we do just get, you know, female responses from time to time. And then, of course, there's the gray lady. Nobody knows who she is, but she was seen even prior to the prison closing. Just uh, I was just going to ask. There are guards that have come, like, come out and said that they had kind of experiences there too mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before they even started. 
Who owns the Missouri State Penitentiary now? State of Missouri. Still the state owns of Missouri. It. Yes. And they're totally down. I was just on your website that there is a plethora of ghost tour options there. Yes. And people can come and even spend the night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we have lots of overnights. We offer two-hour, three-hour, five-hour overnight, uh, eight-hour overnight. What a deal, too. It's 100 bucks to go mm -hmm. for an eight-hour overnight paranormal tour. Mm -hmm. How busy are you during this season? Oh, my word. October. Oh, ho, ho. everybody wants to get spooky in October, so yeah. we are booked as full as we can get every October. Yeah. I would say as soon as tickets, as soon as they open up tickets and we'll reopen, we'll close just after Thanksgiving and then we'll reopen in March. And I would say as soon as the uh, ticket sales go live, we'll start selling tickets for October. Oh, for really? next year. Yeah. Okay. So like if I went to Beck now, I wouldn't be able to get in in October at all? Probably not. Oh, wait, there's one. Five hours. No, three-hour tour on Saturday. Oh, September 30th. I bet you there's nothing in October. I mean, it's not like I can get to Missouri or anything. But <laughs> I would love to come visit you at some point. Yeah. Now, what Please. are the scariest experiences you've had there? What What's? I mean, you don't sound like someone who gets shook too easily, but what do you think is the scariest thing that you've ever had happen? Oh, well, people are going to, that have ever heard me <laughs> on one of the TV shows or, anything are going to get sick of the story, but until they quit freaking me out, I don't know when that'll ever be. Um, I can take shadow people all day long. I mean, you know, it's still a shadow person, but the doppelgangers freak me out. I, okay. I had to ask about that. That oh is. Oh my God. Okay. Explain what that is because I've had, I've seen a um, retired security guy, a security guy who works security now. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that people have claimed that they've seen him inside the prison when he's not even on the ground. Correct. What is with that? Who's doing that? How, I how don't that know. Work? I don't know. I have tried and tried and tried to research that. And it's like I'm getting the same 5,000 words on 500 websites. I've reached out to people, you know, that have really dug into this and, and studied all sorts of modalities. And the closest thing I found to an explanation was like, you know, I hate using the word vampire, but like an energy vampire. It's, it's kind of like that. They do this this entity will do this in order to get closer to people to get their energy. But whether that's, you know, I have, I have no clue what they are, but doppelganger quite literally translates uh, from German to be either double walker or double goer. And it's real bad juju to see your own because that's allegedly a death omen. Oh, Wow. But if but, other people see you, it's not? Right. Okay. I so, have seen hi. them of our policemen. The very first one I saw was of one of my guests on one of the very, very rare times that I was in the penitentiary in the day. I had a photography tour and saw one just 
uh, the thing that freaks you out about them is you don't really know that's what you've seen until a little bit later when you see the real person in a place that's impossible for them to be if you just saw them over there, you know? Right. So I guess I want to explain with a, do a doppelganger. I kind of want to look this up and, and actually give the... Somebody's complete the twin looks exactly like them. And, like, doppelganger doesn't have, like, a bad connotation to it, typically. Like, people will say, like, oh, I saw your doppelganger at the airport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got, you know, live ones, but it's these right. <laughs> that aren't that, yeah, they they freak me out. So, um, I just looked it up, and it said that, according to German folklore, all living creatures have a spirit double who is invisible but, but identical to the living in, well, let me try that again. According to German folklore, all living creatures have a spirit double who is invisible but identical to the living individual. The second selves are perceived as being distinct from ghosts, which only appear after death, and sometimes they are described as the spiritual opposite or negative of their human counterparts. Ooh. Have you ever had any inter interaction with one of these doppelgangers? No. So you just that's, seen that's them. the thing. You usually see them. You usually just see them for a few seconds. Or a lot of times they, if you see them and you happen to see their face, they will turn so you can't see their face any longer. Because I have noticed, you know, in thinking back when you've seen them, they've got a really flat affect to their face. There's, there's absolutely no emotion or anything in their face. Like there's no, oh. Yeah, it's not like they don't have like black eyes or anything wackadoo like that. But they're just, you know, like somebody is just maybe staring off into space or whatever, just no expression on their face whatsoever. And they do move maybe just a little bit differently. So like, and that's one of the things like you don't usually hear double doppelgangers every like haunted location, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a running theme with state with Missouri state penitentiary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like everybody mentions the doppel. So everybody like most of the people that work there, the security or the ghost tours people have all seen a doppelganger while they were there. I think so. I think so. And and oh. there's probably a lot of people that have seen them and didn't know that's what they saw. You know? Oh, I'm so curious about that. Because you oh. have, so the Missouri State Penitentiary has basically everything. It has imprints of the past where there's no interaction. It's just something replaying. And then they have intelligent hauntings like um, Bonnie Hetty mm -hmm. um, or Walter. What's Walter's mm -hmm. last name again? Walter Lee Donnell. And um, and then you have this doppelganger thing, mm -hmm. which is just so. I I almost feel like that's creepier than anything else. Yes, I I think so. Because I I have been like toe to toe with the shadow person. Didn't realize. Oh, and shadow it. people. That's the other thing too. Now the shadow people. Do you feel like that's interactive, or do you feel like that's an imprint, or you just it's just a separate that's like. A third it, different thing. It might be kind of a mix because sometimes if you see these shadow people, they'll just you'll just see them moving, you know, and maybe that's just a shadow of them moving like they did sixty years ago, a hundred years ago, whatever. But then sometimes they can they can get a little interactive. Well, I've heard of crawlers. Someone said that there's crawlers there where they're like, yeah. Low. Yeah, I'm not real nuts about them. <laughs> Nobody Have you is, ever seen but, that? Yeah. Oh, you've seen that too? Yeah, yeah. 
and you just keep going back. Like you do oh, yeah. all these tours. Oh, like, I can't oh wait God. to get in there. <laughs> really? I want to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My. This is the best job on the planet. And how many, like, how many of there are you? How many ghost tour people are there? Uh, I think we've got five guides and about as many assistants. And are you guys hired by the state of Missouri? No. Uh, okay. We actually work for the Jefferson City Convention and Visitors Bureau. They took out a lease some years ago to do the tours. They, they're they the ones that offer the history tours and the ghost tours, and we are employees of theirs. Oh, wow. So, and then I'm assuming that this, the money brought in probably helps with the preservation of the actual building. The building's over 160 years old. Yeah, well... Housing unit four is, yeah. Okay, so we've like got I'm three housing units in the gas chamber that we tour through. And what's the most haunted out of all of them? Oh, shoot. Um, I'd say that's a toss up between the oldest one, uh, housing unit four, and housing unit three, and it was built 1914 through 1918. And it's where eight. is. Um, where is um, Death Row? What building is that? That is in housing unit three. There are okay. uh, two wings, of course, that mirror each other. And upstairs, uh, when you walk in the front door, you go up a flight of stairs, and then you're on like the main walk. That was general population. There are four tiers of cells on both sides. I think it's 240 cells total in there, but that was general population. Then the entire lower floor of that building was death row. And down below death row on the east end of the property is a section called 3D. That was ADSEG or administrative segregation. Those were punishment cells for guys that did bad things in a maximum security facility. So I call do it you, creepy town. I, I would say, is that the creepiest? Or like, do you get the most there? Oh man, there's some weird, weird stuff down there. It's there's an energy down there that's just really different. In what way? And well, it just feels different. It it's I don't know. It it likes to mess with you. I went looking one night for I had a group of eleven, and I could only have find nine of them at the door. So I went looking for the other two. And walked through that whole building, you know, yelling my brains out, trying to find these people, and couldn't find them anywhere, and that only left, they could be down in 3D, and I was like, oh, geez. So I walked down there, and I didn't even walk in the section, I just barely got through the doorway, and I hollered, and I said, come on, y'all, we got to go, time to rotate buildings, and plain as day, a woman answered me from around the corner, and she said, be right there. I was like, cool. So I waited and waited and nobody was coming. So I yelled again. And this woman answers me again. She goes, on our way. I was like, cool. And waited and nobody's coming. So I hauled out my big honking blind them flashlight and went, this, this section is uh, in a U shape. So that makes it a little bit different down there. So I walk around the corner, around this U, bend in the U, and get to the other doorway for the back section, turn that flashlight on, and there is nobody down there but me. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. So I got up out of there and got to the front door, and then I had 11 people. So oh, so I, don't know. I don't know where the other two were. But <laughs> Did you even ask them, like, where were you guys no, or anything? No, I was, I was busy trying to keep from falling over or something. <laughs> That Is that the, like the most interactive thing that's happened to you? That 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 instance was that like the most like full blown interactive thing you've had? Uh, that's probably one of them. That's because I think I would leave. I'd be like, "You're on your own, you guys." Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Although, like, it, at least it wasn't creepy. It wasn't some dude saying something creepy. It was like a nice a woman's voice, like agreeing. Yeah, like, oh, but. You know, when they when you're doing that and you hear them and they mimic kids. Oh, you like, that. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, dude, we know there oh, were no children crazy. here. You're just trying to play on my heartstrings and it's not happening. So I got it. I got to hear one of the creepy kids stories. So. Do you have one of those? Oh, well, that's that's just basically it. You just hear, you know somebody calling or saying something and rather than an adult voice it sounds like a little kid oh, and a lot of guests you know if we well we've always got guests in there but the guests will say oh it's a little kid I'm like that's no child don't be drawn in like that because I think that's why they do it to draw people in right yeah. do you um do you feel like the ghosts are resentive of 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 all the the ghost tours, or do you think that they they're entertained by them or welcome them? Or I think it's funny because I think I think they miss us when we're down for the winter because, like I said, we shut down December through February and then open up again in March. And it seems like sometimes in in March when we start up, they're like, "Hey, you know, it's good to see you again. How you doing?" And then now by October and November, a lot of times it's like, "Seriously." But bringing people yeah. through my house in the middle of the night when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Crazy. But it's, it's one of the places that I've always wanted to go to because I feel like um, that it just has everything. Because mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe that because there's so many high emotions, I think places of high emotions mm -hmm. probably have a more likely chance of being haunted. Theaters, yeah. hospitals, churches, yeah. prisons is one of them because it's just such high emotions. But I'm still still wondering why it's called the forty the bloodiest forty seven acres. Just because I feel like yes, there were a lot of deaths and stuff, but it I guess it was just a really horrible place initially, like when it yes. first opened. Well, not when it first opened. When it first opened, it only opened with like fifteen inmates or something, and a lot of them worked on building the prison. But mm -hmm. during the like thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, well, was, and then. Like I said, relatives, my brother-in-law worked there and then relatives of his. And then I had other relatives that worked there. And one of them told me, he said the 1970s were bad there. He said there was at least one killing a week, you know, and if they didn't uh, make good on it, they were trying to trying to kill each other. Yeah. And it was a maximum security. I wonder how that happened. Like, why did that place? get so deadly you know what I mean like more than other places well I mean it was a maximum security facility but back in the day you know before they privatized the prison systems and they were actually run by the state there were like 60 some odd factories 
on that property. We had, we back in the day before cars, uh, Sullivan Saddle Tree Factory was there on the grounds, and that was the world's number one producer of saddle trees. And for people that don't know, that's the wooden frame that goes under a saddle that the seat is built around. Oh, good, because I didn't know that either. But yeah. But we did furniture factories, garment factories. They made their own soap. They had, I mean, everything. All the license plates and like highway signs and stuff were made there. But everybody had a job. So it was like, you know, their day was structured to where they would get up at six or seven in the morning, whatever, go to the chow hall for breakfast, and then they would go to work. So they were all like interacting with each other. They weren't all just like quarantined to a cell. Right. Yeah, the only people that that stayed in their cells all the time were death row. They were locked up basically 23 and a half hours a day. Okay, tell us about the hole, because we haven't talked about that yet. The hole was where you were punished. Like the only light source was like a little slit in the door or something. Oh, in the hole, uh, that would be like the dungeon cells. Those are in the basement of housing unit four, yeah. And they probably had Civil War prisoners in there as well, as old as that building is. But there was no light. There was no slit in the door. They were supposed to let you out if you were in there for any length of time. They were supposed to let you out for 10 minutes a day to let your eyes get used to light. Or you could go blind in there. And there was there was one person... That was locked in there for years, right? He wrote a book? Yeah, that was J.B. Firebug Johnson. And uh, the name of his book is Buried Alive, 18 Years in the Missouri Penitentiary. According to his book, he did two stints in the dungeon, his longest being 12 years. I kind of find that hard to believe. I mean, he wrote it. We can take it as fact, but I I think maybe he was stretching that a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know how anybody could come out of there after 12 years in their right mind well, at yeah, all. He came, out, he came out and wrote the book. But yeah. In the 18, 1880s, <laughs> a man caught the public's attention with his antics in prison. The man was Firebug Johnson, one of the most notorious of all the inmates to ever serve a sentence as a penitentiary. Johnson attempted to escape several times, but was best known for his most notorious act, setting a fire that destroyed more than $500,000 worth of property and the deaths of several inmates. Mm -hmm. He was convicted of arson in Cole County and given an additional 12 years, after which he was locked in the dungeon for many years. After he was released, Firebug wrote a book entitled Buried Alive for 18 Years in the Missouri Penitentiary. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other, um, there's like a whole list. Um, Pretty Boy Floyd was there. Mm-hmm. Pretty Boy Floyd and, was there for a while. This is the penitentiary um, that James Earl Ray escaped from just about exactly a year prior to the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, the other famous person or infamous person was Harry Snodgrass, King of the Ivories. Mm-hmm. He was, he played in the prison. There's a prison band. There's a prison yes. band. So why was there? He- w- there were prison bands throughout the years. One of my brother-in-law's favorite gigs uh, to do there was a musical group. They had like a six piece, seven piece band called the Versatiles. 
And that was my first introduction to the penitentiary back when I was five or six years old. This musical group played at this family function that we went to at the penitentiary. And then my brother-in-law liked to get on the detail because these guys would play all around central Missouri, county fairs and stuff like that. So my brother-in-law liked to get on the detail to accompany them to wherever it was they were playing. Well, we'd just load up in the family car and go meet them over there and listen to the music and sit with the guys at breaks and visit with them and, you know, just had a big old time. And then it doesn't say why he was in prison in the first place. Like it doesn't explain. But he yeah, ended up being pardoned. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He was granted a full pardon in 1926. Yeah, I am not sure. So any, what's your, um, what's your takeaway? Why do you think that prison is more haunted than any other place? My emotions, my God, you know, you had over 168 years while it was operational of, of emotions. Fear, mental health was mm -hmm. weak in a place like that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I can't well, thank for, you for having me. I appreciate if it. If I ever go to Missouri, I can't give a lot of reasons why I would go to Missouri, but one of them might just be. The oh, yes. State I highly recommend the five-hour overnight. That is like 10 at night until 3 in the morning, and that's just about the perfect amount of time to... I know there's one that's eight hours, so you're recommending the, the five-hour, not the eight-hour. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to go whole hog, go for the eight-hour, but... So with anyone, any of my listeners that are in Missouri or close to Missouri... Yeah, or coming like to visit... Go to MissouriPinTours.com and check out the tours. We also offer history tours during the day. People aren't into ghosties, but. And ghosts, like, why would you not be? Come on. Oh, I know. There's a. Um, there are some like people that will not step on that property after dark. Is there? <laughs> yeah. It looks like the only tour that has any availability, it looks like basically the rest of the year, is the three-hour ghost tour, ghost mm -hmm. hunt, an actual three-hour ghost hunt. Yeah. So if you're in Missouri and you want to check out the pen, I'm sure if any anybody that listens to me lives in Missouri, I can guarantee they've already been to the, the penitentiary. <laughs> see you know what I mean? Like they, they're well, not come back and see us me. again. I know. They can come, come again. They can come back again. We love repeat offenders. And <laughs> <laughs> And and call and and email me and tell me what happened there because I want to know if we yeah yeah to have ever been there I'd love to know and maybe someday I'll get if I ever get to Missouri I will ask for your tour oh thank you please thank you so It'd much be a blast history and happenings at the Missouri State Penitentiary visit MissouriPenTours.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.